Hello and welcome to our third episode of From the Horse Box. I'm Claire. And I'm Kate. Today we are talking to one of only 2,900 registered farriers in the United Kingdom with strong links to the Wednesday and a love of the countryside. We all know that famous quote, no foot, no horse. This will be fascinating. I agree. Your farrier plays such an important part in keeping a horse. Do you remember last season when we both lost shoes and Simon and Nick saved the day by giving us a lift in the trusty TriStar? Huge relief. It saved us a long hack home. Yes, I would have needed plenty of my flask of coffee, but today I've got some of Tim's Mulberry Gin, which brings us to our guest, Sam Woolham. Good evening and welcome, Sam. Is that a pint of Guinness I can see? Yeah, it's a pint of Guinness, my favourite drink. Guinness makes you strong, you know the slogan, being a farrier. Got to be strong. Are you always offered hot drinks on your rounds? Predominantly, yeah. It's always nice to be offered refreshments. You never say no in case you never asked again. And it's very important to look after you. Christmas time's a good one. You quite often, uh, you know, little tipples in coffees and different things, but you, you've got to be a bit of self-control knowing you're driving on to the next one. Tell us about your family around here and your early life, just to put everybody in the picture. I was born first son of Neil and Denise Woolham. My grandfather, Barry Woolham, is probably the godfather of our family, which brought us into hunting. I was born in Wrexham, but moved straight away into uh, to our home just outside St. Martin's, where I lived my entire life. School was, I went to Penley Little School, and then I moved into Ellesmere Lakeland Secondary School. I've always been around horses, you know, with granddad and dad, uh, mum's side of the family too. Did you always know you wanted to be a farrier? No, not at all. I fell in love with sport. That was my main focus in life. I went to Shrewsbury College where I did my sports diploma and then eventually got myself a job at the Lion Keys gym uh, outside Oswestry where I practiced as a personal trainer for uh, five years. From then, uh, I come to a bit of a junction in life where for me to financially progress from where I was, being drawn towards a city purely just because of city prices anyone who knows me knows I'm definitely not a city boy <laughs> uh, I'm country through and through you mentioned Sam that you didn't enjoy living in a town what else do you enjoy doing in the countryside uh, so obviously hunting I, I enjoy my hunting um, but I I keep ferrets and uh, lurchers too so I do quite a lot of ferreting with you know with hunting being limited this year um, I managed to get out and do a lot more, filled my Saturdays up out ferreting. Um, I really enjoy that. I like the, you know, the rabbit control of it, but it's a, it's another countryside sport that I really enjoy. I like to see the dogs running. Um, yeah, I really enjoy the, I enjoy did the you, ferreting. Did you develop that into some tasty cuisine? Yeah, they get, you know, ra- all the rabbits get used up. Um, I'm very much for that. You try and use it, you know, try and use it rather than, than just, it's a throwaway. Um, so they went to, you know, friends, family, uh, grandma and granddad had quite a few of me. I kept them uh, fed for a good few Sundays, I think. Um, Which recipe was a favourite? Uh, stew's always a good one, but it, it's, it's always too gamey for me. I much prefer it baked. And then the ones that don't get ate by any of us, the, uh, the, it, it feeds the dogs and the ferrets, so they keep themselves. You know, I wanted to do something that was still a passion and I could kind of live for a little bit. And uh, 
horses were the only other thing in my life other than the fitness that I I held a passion for. Where did you do your training and your apprenticeship? My initial training, I went to uh, Hereford School of Fire. studied for an initial first year, which gives you a, a certificate to then put you onto your apprenticeship. I then found an apprenticeship which took me down to Somerset. Why did you decide on Hereford, Sam? Hereford is one of the three fiery schools in the UK. How many women were on your course and how do you mm. see them coping with the job? Yeah, so there's, um, I know lots of female farriers. They run successful businesses and they do really well. How long does it take in the training course for you to actually knock your first nail in? Once you're under the apprenticeship scheme, you can technically go out and shoe a horse for your boss the, that very day. But generally, it's about halfway through your apprenticeship. A lot of the training is forge work. Forge work um, is basically just running that fire. Some horses are shod cold, and that uh, predominantly in the racing games. Cold shoeing and hot shoeing are two very different skills which are umbrellaed under the whole thing as being a farrier. As a rough guide, what percentages of competition horses, hunters or ponies do you shoe? We are very lucky in the respect that where we are based here, right in this little corner with North Wales, Shropshire and Cheshire, um, we have a great variety. I like the fact that we can go out you know, every day and it, and it be slightly different. Tell us the largest contrast you have in shoeing two different types of horses. Yeah, so the, I suppose an easy one to, to contrast would be a dressage horse with a hunter. Hunters, if we know, uh, we go, we're crossing country, different country all, all day for long periods of time. You're shod a penny on a penny is what they call it for hunter shoeing. So no peripheral kind of uh, metal sticking out with any extra length or width to that to that foot with the hope that um, shoes stay on better. There's nothing for it to stand on. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> Whereas on contrast would be a dressage horse where, you know, the majority of that work is done on a surface. I think you did sort of contrast it by saying it's the ice skate as opposed to the flipper. Yeah, exactly. think of an ice skate standing on uh, a grass field, for example, then that ice skate is going to cut in and go in deeper than what it would if you were stood there in a pair of flippers. If you were buying a horse, what would you look for in their feet for evidence of soundness or future soundness? I think if anyone knew the answers to that, we'd all have <laughs> <Yes>. sound horses. <laughs> I was looking for some inspiration from that one. <laughs> was that Grandfather Barry thrilled about you being able to shoe his horses when um, you qualified? I think he was. Uh, I think he was more upset that I was ten years too late, to be honest. Had I been 10 years earlier, he would still have a stable of eight or 10 for me to be doing. Do you have a favourite story of you and your grandfather, Barry, hunting? Uh, I have countless stories of grandads, um, but one that particularly is a good one. Um, was a Boxing Day meet. Uh, I hadn't ridden for about six years. A grandad uh, asked me why didn't I come along. It would be a good day. It's more of a parade. We don't really do much hunting on Boxing Day, you know, the old thing. Uh, so I I rode Grandad's hunter, uh, Jasper, a big chestnut that probably most people will remember. Yeah, we do remember Jasper. Um, we left the meet. We did our circle around Malpas. We headed over to Manor Farm. Uh, my first jump was some rails off the lane. I hadn't sat on a horse, I could say, for about six years, never mind jumped one. Um but Grandad being Grandad, as many people know in the, in the Wednesday, it was uh, you either kick on or get left behind, come on, you're coming with. 
Um, so I followed him over. The next thing we come, I could see midfield people jumping a hedge. I started getting a bit nervous about jumping a hedge <laughs> on a horse I didn't know. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, Grand had turned to me and said, come on, kick on, you'll be all right. Just kick on, you'll be all right. Kick on, you'll be all right. So we come over, Grand had jumped the hedge. As I was about two strides out, I got cut across. Someone had ducked out. Jasper, being the steady, sturdy-footed hunter that he was, took half a pull and then took off anyway, left me entirely behind. Somehow I managed to get over the hedge, but found myself hanging off the side of the saddle, managing to hook my spur in the back of the saddle, looking underneath his belly as the ground was getting closer and closer and closer. After about three or four strides hanging there like a Cossack rider, I managed to flick myself up somehow. I bumped back down into the middle of the saddle, no reins, no stirrups. I looked up to for- I looked forwards and to my amazement, the whole field had stood, watched this whole thing unfold in front of them. And, uh, and I got a bit of a cheer because I think everyone was expecting it to completely go the opposite direction. And from that day, uh, you know, in that day then, we went to jump uh, 30 odd places after then. Um, and again, it was granddad leading the way. Come on, come on, you'll be all right. Kick on. That's all I ever got. He must have been proud as punch of that. Well done. <laughs> Would you ever take on any staff? I'd like to, I'd like to get to a stage where I can train apprentices. It must be quite lonely too if you're yeah, just it's, working uh, day in, day out on your own. Yeah, it, it's a funny one. Um, it does get a little bit lonely if you're on your own all the time. I mean, <clears throat> we're very lucky that we get to travel the countryside and we're only at a yard for X amount of time. Then we'll probably be moving on. It won't be just that one place for that day. You must have come across all sorts of situations and um, stories on your travels. Uh, I remember one story I was with a, a friend and fellow farrier of, uh, of mine, James Penman, and we were at a yard, um, a show jumping yard. It's a bit of a thing amongst farriers, knowing that when you turn up, what you've actually got booked in probably isn't the only thing that you're going to have to do when you get there. I've got five more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. So this one particular time, we were finishing off on the, on the, the last horse, uh, and the owner struck up and said, oh, uh, whilst you're here, you couldn't just... Uh, pop a shoe on this other horse that we've got round the corner. To which James replied, oh yeah, that old chestnut. To which the owner replied, no, no, it's not. It's a young bay horse. <laughs> which to me and him, we found that hilarious there at the time. We, we, it went straight over the owner's head. He had no idea why we were laughing. You obviously treat all your horses as individuals. What about looking after yourself carefully? How's your back? Touch wood. It's good so far. Um, I mean, I try and keep fit. Body position when we're shoeing is a massive thing. Uh, I mean, we're, we're bent over for the vast majority of the day with a 500 kilo animal trying to get you off. Keep a strong core, put the weight through your legs, not through your back. Do you do exercises in the morning or stretching before you before a day's work? An old farrier once told, said to me, always buy lace-up boots. That way you have to bend down in the morning to tie them up. So that could be your first stretch. You have to bend down, tie your boots up. So I've always stuck by that. I wear lace-up boots. How else do you keep fit, Sam? Uh, I love my running. Um, I do a lot of off-road trail running. Um, I run two or three times a week with a... An, How far? An How far? 
long distance running is what I really enjoy. So um, a training run would be anything up to kind of 35 miles. Um, I'd probably do that twice a month, somewhere around those distances. Um, but it's normally training towards an event. So in the summer, um, I try and we get a few events in. Obviously, it didn't happen last year or this year with with COVID, but um, we've got a few events coming up. So I've I've run up to 100 miles. I did a 100-mile race at Exmoor. That was 100 miles over Exmoor in a day. Um, so that's a non-stop 100-mile race. Um, I have done seven marathons in seven consecutive days. That was another event that we did. Um, so it depends on what, you know, event is coming up as to how much I will run and what we what we're aiming for. But yeah, I really enjoy running. I get over to Snowdonia quite a lot when we can. I do a lot of running over so, there. Um, Sam, your truck um, is your mobile office and I hear it's state of the art. Have you got a favourite piece of kit? I mean, my favourite piece of kit in my lorry is, is the tack locker. Inverter system, which provides me with the power source. Yeah, that's that's definitely my, my favourite part of the van. And how many miles would you travel on an average week? An average week, around about a thousand miles. Really? Yeah. Do shoeing competitions interest you? Um, I've done shoeing competitions. I did a few as, a, as an apprentice. It's always a good thing to do as an apprentice. It puts you under pressure. You're working to specification. Um, you're in a different environment. It really sets you up well for your exams. Um, so it's kind of encouraged as you're an apprentice. Not something, to be honest, that massively is attracted to, you know, I'm not massively attracted to. Right. Has lockdown affected your business in any way? We've been very lucky that we were backed by the government that we could continue to to trade under the Welfare Act. Realistically, we're, we're outside. There's no need to be within contact of the owner. They can tie the horse up for us and have you taken up anything else in lockdown that you didn't do before? Yeah, I started to learn the banjo. What? <laughs> yeah, didn't see that one. <laughs> well, I hope you brought um, it today. I hope we're going to have a little a rendition. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Um, but no, it's something I was always, you know, toying with. I quite like uh, I quite like music. Um, Mum was a it is a piano teacher, so music was big in the family. Can you sing as well as? <laughs> um, I've been. No, I, I, I'm known to sing. Whether I can, uh, whether I can sing or not, I'm not so sing? sure. What do you think? Oh well, usually after a good few more Guinnesses, I'll. Uh, I'm quite happy to sing anything, really. Now, Sam, just for us, for Kate and Claire from the Horse Box, could you just give us a little rendition of your song, "The Ratting Bog"? The Ratting Bog. I can. Okay, I'll do the very, very last verse. <sighs> A speck and the eye and the eye and a flea and a flea and a feather and a feather on the wing and a wing and a chicken and a chicken and a yolk and a yolk and the egg and the egg and a bird and a bird and the nest and the nest and a leaf and a leaf and a twig and a twig and a branch and a branch on a limb and a limb on a bough and a bough and a tree and a tree and a hole and a hole and a bog and a bog down in the valley oh ho ho rattling bog the bog down in the valley oh rare bog the rattling bog the bog down in the valley oh. Our next section is some quick fire questions we'd like to um, ask. Um, first of all, two studs or one in each. Uh, personally, I'd say two. I agree. What was the last book you read? The last book I read was A Sport in Life by Wadey Wadsworth. Which football team do you support? I support Sheffield United, which is a, a very sore subject at the minute. Have you ever shod a famous horse? Not necessarily a famous one. I've shod some expensive horses under the under the veterinary school. Um, 
we had one horse there which we had to change our insurance for actually because he was valued at seven million which our insurance didn't cover us to do any work on it so we had to up that for for the day I haven't got any horses worth seven million. I think you have, haven't you, Kate? <laughs> no, not seven million, sadly. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? I'd be an oak tree with the hope I'd be turned into a whiskey cask. Now, hot holiday or cold holiday? No holiday for me. Um, I'd rather be at home, to be honest. It becomes a bit of a pain having to... You end up working twice as hard before you go and twice as hard as when you come when you come home again so the week in in between I'd rather have it at home. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport what would it be? I think something like archery or something you know like a skill rather than a rather than athletic ability if you like yeah I think I'd say something archery or something like that. What is your favourite takeaway? Chinese definitely Chinese. Now, we're looking forward to your motto for life with our lockdown listeners. So a motto that um, I've always kind of lived by, you know, it was something I'd come up with me and a friend when I was personal training. Um, And that is uh, failure is the aftermath of the weak. Greatness is the temptation of the strong, which broken down basically means that if you can, if all you see is the failure, you know, that's the aftermath. That's something that is you're you're predicting has happened before it has happened. Whereas in a situation, if you see the greatness of being able to achieve it rather than failing it, then that's the strong way to go. That's the strong-minded way of looking at things. So I kind of try and live life like that. Look at the positive. Brilliant, Sam. Our banjo playing farrier. You've been a revelation. And our first song on From the Horse Box. We hope the first of many. All musical instruments are very welcome. Meanwhile, stay safe and we look forward to our next episode of From the Horse Box. When it could be you in the driving seat. (laughs) 